welcome to There's Something We Need to Address, which is an informational podcast by myself, Sam Dixon. And today I am joined by Betsy Willie, who is a public school teacher in Southern California. And today we're going to be talking about uh, all the current issues regarding remote learning during this pandemic that's been going on. Um, so I am a political science major at Pace University in New York City. And Betsy here is mostly an English teacher in, uh, at the same high school that I went to. She is one of my mentors. Uh, Betsy, if you'd like to say more about yourself, go right ahead. Well, hi, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. Um, of course. Yeah, I am a high school English teacher. This is my 13th year, which I feel like that number is a curse given everything that's, <laughs> that's, that's gone down this year. It's um, all your fault. It's all your fault. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's lucky number 13. And um, as you said, I teach English, but I am all over the board. I teach everything from... AP literature and composition to a regular level collaborative English three. And then I also have a section of AVID, which is advancement via individual determination for um, students who are traditionally um, not kind of earmarked as kids who would necessarily go to college, but they know that they want to. So it's a four-year commitment is what we ask for. It's an elective class and it's to help them build study skills, organizational skills, time management, you name it, um, all of the things that they're going to need to be successful, not only as high school students, but also as university students. And then we help them through um, the application process and getting them into school. So my AVID kids this year, I've had them for four years and they are seniors this year. So it's been a really big, just roller coaster of a year for them. So that's completely crazy in and of itself. Um, Yeah. A little more context. Uh, Betsy and I have known each other for how long now? Five, six years, seven years? When were you a sophomore? God, I don't know. <laughs> 2015. Okay. So there you go. Do the math. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you you and I both know that math is neither of our strong suits. So let's not there's go a there. reason. There's a reason I teach English. Uh-huh. And there's a reason I'm a political scientist. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and so I invited you here today because uh, you're someone I respect a lot, especially within the uh, realm of education and you are a perspective that I think is important to uh, to address especially in light of current events um, as of today I don't even know the date because we've been in quarantine for so long today's May 3rd I know uh, well the only reason I know that is because we're Star Wars nerds right in our family so tomorrow is yes <laughs> it's practically a national holiday I uh, I was talking to my boyfriend the other day that there are basically only three days that exist anymore today tomorrow and yesterday and i that is a complete complete mood for for uh the past two months and uh yeah so for some more context today's obviously like i said may 3rd of 2020 and um there is something we need to address about our current situation we are right in Hopefully, I'm, I'm not even going to try to to be optimistic and say hopefully <laughs> toward the end of this, but we are currently, I'd say, in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, COVID-19 has, uh, has affected the globe, and um, in turn, it has also been affecting everybody's household lives, day-to-day lives, work lives, etc. And... Uh, One of the biggest issues that I'm seeing as a student, and I'm sure Betsy is seeing as a teacher, is 
how this pandemic is affecting teachers and students in how they learn, how they teach, how they live their academic lives at the moment, um, which is why I have Betsy here today to help me uh, discuss some of the issues that are more evident right now than they have been in the past and because of the circumstances of the current the current look of the, the world at the moment. Yeah. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about today is how has the virtual classroom affected students and teachers. Uh, we're going to start by talking about students and I've, I have more of the perspective of a college student so we're going to be specifically looking into um, public schools uh, instead of college level schools because obviously that is different. You have a different demographics, you have different um, incomes that can be in college anyways and public school is a requirement <laughs> so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to look at the the basic needs of everybody so the first thing I wanted to discuss was the shift in individual learning environments I know that uh, many households are not super accommodating for all kinds of students for a classroom environment that is why kids go to school um, and I know that there are a lot of added distractions with kids being home at the same time that their parents are also working from home. Um, and out of that, what do you think are some of the, the biggest distractions that students are facing having to be home all the time and having to learn from inside their bedrooms, their living rooms, their dining rooms, rather than in classroom settings? I think, I think the distractions that exist have always existed, but now the difference is, is that they're constantly there. Um, I'm one of those very mean teachers who have <laughs> on my wall and I confiscate cell phones at the beginning and the end of the period because I can't compete. Like I could be Harsh. up there. I know I can't <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say like, I'm a pretty good teacher, but I yeah. could be doing cartwheels and juggling, you know, fire batons. But if that kid's Snapchat notification goes off, I've lost them. Oh, so yeah. I am, like I said, in the classroom, I control that environment. I have the ability to take away their phones and be like, nope, go put it in the pouch. Um, and they actually, at first they fight me on it, which, you know, that's, it's going to happen. That's just the beast that I'm dealing with with teenagers. But I've had more kids say, like, as far as their educations go, it's actually a good thing that I take it away because... One, I'm not singling out anybody. The whole class has to do it. Um, but two, that way they are able to concentrate and be present. Unfortunately, at home, a lot of them are using their phones as their devices for school. So if they're in the middle of typing up an assignment and then that Snapchat notification goes off, boom. Again, it's like squirrel. You just, you just lost them. Right. Um, the added distractions of other family members. Like I know I've got kids who are sharing devices with siblings is a challenge or, you know, there's one family who's got multiple people working around the dining room table. So dad's on conference calls and mom's on the phone and little brothers, you know, listening to a zoom call with his, you know, third grade teacher, um, video games I've heard are also <laughs> becoming problematic. I have had a you, student. have you caught anybody playing animal crossing in the middle of one of your classes yet? No, um, but it's also because a lot of them are choosing to turn their cameras off, and I am not. I am not so naive as to think that they are on those Google Hangouts and are listening with undivided attention behind that turned off camera I can't and microphone. Say, 
I can't say I'm not guilty of of any oh. of the things that you've stated. Yeah, because... no, I know it's happening. <laughs> and the reality is, is there's very, very little that I can do to curve that behavior. So I kind of, my, my mindset from the get go with this, and this is kind of coming from the top down, which again, I have to credit. Um, I have a really supportive administrative staff. I have an amazing department chair and kind of their situation was be patient, be gracious and be kind because you don't know, you don't know what's on the other side of that camera that's turned off. Um, you know, our, our school is in a really kind of bizarre microcosm of California and that we have got some extremely affluent students who are living in beachfront palaces. And then we've got students who are homeless. We've got students who are living three families in a two bedroom apartment. We've got students who are, you know, everything in between. Um, so you know, because I don't know what their perspective is and I don't know where they're coming from, I have been, you know, I- I've tried to be gracious and give them the benefit of the doubt. Because um, the kids, the fact that they're showing up, I'm going to give them credit for that. Like, it's hard to show up, you know. It is. It is it, yes, trust me, I know. <laughs> it's made it so much easier to skip to the not that I have skipped class this <laughs> of since course not just just for context I really every time I have not gone to class since remote learning started it was because of some kind of internet issue was I paying attention the whole time that's a different story but yeah um when it comes to technology as you were saying I know specifically your school district is mostly an affluent Yes. area it's, it's yeah you know southern california down by the beach really really nice area how do you think that uh access to technology has been addressed um considering now that we're all online and everybody in your district is online as well what about the family the lower income families that don't maybe have three computers for all three of their kids and so access to wi-fi again I'm not on the inside of their houses. So I, right. you know, they may, they may have very different things to say, but in terms of at least attempting to bridge the situation, um, the districts really tried to get out in front of it early. Um, most of our school campuses have Chromebook carts. And so they did a Chromebook distri- distribution day. Um, and they actually sent out a survey to families saying, hey, if you need a device, please fill out this survey. You can come pick one up at the following locations. Well, what ended up happening is that nobody filled out the survey and everybody showed up to pick up a Chromebook. So, of course, they ran out of Chromebooks very quickly. Um, but again, they they took that into consideration. They pivoted. They sent out another district-wide email. And we're in a district, just to give some context, we have almost 50,000 students in our district. Like, right. we're, we're pretty big. Um, so they pivoted and they did as many days as it took of Chromebook distribution to get a Chromebook, at least one device in every home that had children in our district. Um, The next bridged across was, okay, great. I have this Chromebook, but I can't afford internet. And I have to say there were two local companies um, that stepped up and offered um, free internet for 60 days. Um, That's going to cut short our school year a little bit. So I'm hoping they revisit that and maybe make it 90 days. They, they probably will. Um, yeah. they, hopefully we, they will. We haven't hit that 60 day threshold yet. So we'll, we'll see. We shall, um, we shall see. History yeah. has its eyes it's, on, on companies at the moment. 
Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming up because um, we our last day of classroom instruction was March 13th. So okay. May 13th marks two weeks. Um, anyway, so we got free Internet. We got them Chromebooks. Um, but again, it's one of one of the things that, you know, I, I am under no false impressions that I live and work in an extraordinary environment. Like this is not the norm nationwide. I'm, you know, reading articles of teachers that are in rural areas or urban areas and it's a technology desert. Like they're still doing packet work and attempting to like drop things off and pick things up or mail things in. Um, And I can't, my heart goes out to both those students and those teachers because that's, that just adds another layer of complication to things. And it's just something in our district. Um, we really, really tried our best to, to get around so that everybody did have access and that wasn't, you know, necessarily the issue. So. Because obviously I live in New York city and we, we are not rural, um, <laughs> but I do, I do think that uh, even here access to internet, access to laptops, iPads, technology, there's been, a lot of effort to get as many of these resources out to students who need them as possible. But in the more rural areas of the U.S., I think it is definitely an issue that can't fully be addressed in a lot of in a lot of those cases. School is that place to have <laughs> yeah. to have that education time. So it's it's the it's things. the it's the common ground and especially right. public school in, in America is, you know, and that's one of the reasons I very deliberately went into public education is that I love the idea at least kind of philosophically that everybody gets a fair chance to get their piece of the pie. Um, and again, I'm not so naive to think that that's true. I, you know, I absolutely know that there are underserved students in my district and, and certainly across the country. Um, but I also have faith that I don't think there's any teacher that goes to school deliberately thinking, Hmm, how can I make this one kid not have access? You know, I think, I think that we're really, you know, in the public, education sector, like most people go into this line of work because we believe in the greater good. And because we do believe that an educated populace is by and large a better populace, it makes you stronger. Uh, As we've discussed about access to technology and how our classroom has gone from a physical classroom to virtual classrooms, uh, how has that affected those students who, like myself, are hands-on learners who like, who not even like, who require face-to-face interaction to be in a classroom environment in order to focus, in order to, to understand the curriculum that's, that's being fed. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's been challenging for sure. Um, I do have um, a number of students on my roster who fit that description. And I mean, I, I'm, again, I'm super blessed that I, I have been armed with an arsenal of technology to, you know, disperse information to my students, but there is no distance replication for sitting down side by side with a student and looking at their writing and doing a writing conference or sitting down with them and analyzing a piece of literature one-on-one. Um, I've been doing a ton of screencastify videos for my kids to help them because get through the literature that we're reading. What is, Sorry, did... so, yeah, no, I just don't know what that is. Uh, um, so basically it's like a little it's, I think it's like a Google extension. That's why I use it. Cause we have like our district pays for the Google suite thing. Um, so basically like I record myself, um, and 
it's super boring because I can make, <laughs> I, I basically have a tab of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I found a, an electronic version. So that's okay. what I'm reading to them. Um, and I read and then I stop and I analyze and I'm like, okay, so here's where we see that thematic development of perception versus reality. Or do you see how McMurphy is a Christ-like archetype? Um, and I like can highlight the quotes and I can circle things okay. and I can write in the margins. That's right. Um, yeah. So for kids who are, who are reluctant readers who struggle to read, it's actually really nice because the feedback that I'm getting is like, it's great because they're reading, they're hearing me read out loud, which one is good because it's, if you can hear it and then their eyes are tracking over the words that helps, you know, develop literacy. The other factor is, is that if I'm going too fast, they can stop me. <laughs> they just hit pause. Right. Like, yeah. Zip it, Willie. Like you can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, back up exactly. I, I didn't, didn't get, get it. it. So, and I'm encouraging them, right. like they need to be annotating in their texts and, you know, um, making sure that they're making meaning of it on their own. And so, right. you know, we have synchronous and asynchronous learning models and I'm doing kind of a hybrid between the two. Um, so like yeah, mm -hmm. so for the kids who, the kids who are like bright and motivated, like they don't have to watch the videos if they don't want to, I'm not making them mandatory, but the kids who maybe struggle or are reluctant or who <laughs> flat out don't want to do it, they can just press, press play. Um, the other, don't call me out. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the other piece that I've been having them do, and this is kind of where I'm checking for their understanding is that like every, so basically the way that I've lined out the reading calendar is that we do about 10 pages per day. So it's like 50 pages per week, okay. um, which is manageable for, Super. for this, um, kind of new environment. The district mandate was that we're supposed to be giving them around three hours a week per work per subject. Um, if okay. they were to watch all of my screencastify videos, it comes out at almost three hours, like on the nose. So, um, <laughs> yes, that would be great. Except again, I'm not mean teacher. So I make them do other things with it. So what I've done is I, mean. I know. So in the Google, in the Google classroom, you can assign, um, I've had them be, do discussion points and I've put up, um, things that are relevant to like each chapter that I want them to talk about and just chime in on. And in order to get full points, they also have to respond to other, at least two other students in the class. And it can't be something as okay. like, I agree. Good. Point. I disagree. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> like you give me a little bit more. You need to include quotes in your analysis and tell me why you think that is the case. So um, as I've been reading and grading those, like either a, they are all watching my screencastify videos and just regurgitating what I'm saying. Um, or okay. I mean, which, I mean, at least they're getting it. Yay. Them. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do know like there are a couple of kids that are just, again, they're bright and they're just running with it and they're kind of taking it in their own direction. And, um, it's been fascinating to watch the comments about the novel. And again, it's never going to replicate like what I would normally do, which is assign the reading at home. And then we come back and we talk about it and we do fun stuff with it in the classroom, but that's just not my reality right now. So, you know, we've all, everyone in the learning community has had to pivot and make adjustments and just, you know, we're doing the best we can. So yeah, everybody's got to adapt. Exactly. Um, so in terms of adapting to just this, this social distancing life in general and how it reflects on a student's academics, um, in terms of having a lack of structure to, to students' days, like not having a routine, not having to get up at 
an ungodly hour. God, I can't, I don't even want to remember high school wake up times, but uh, I teach zero periods, Sam. Girl, you're wild. (laughs) I'm in college. I've learned that I just cannot, I cannot force myself to get to a class that is earlier than 1030 in the morning. I used to wake up a full (sighs) six hours earlier than you. That's <laughs> you had a whole day. I had a whole I day before you even woke. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but in terms of, and now, now that whole structure is out the window. I just want to point point okay. that out. But uh, in terms of, um, in terms of this lack of structure, I know I'm not dealing well with it at a college level, and I know that my attention span as a high school student was even less than it is now. Um, so how do you how do you feel that your students are responding to not having structure in their days so again like we as a school site we tried to maintain some semblance of structure so um this was not only for the sanity of students but for teachers because you know a lot of them are still doing live google hangouts and doing you know instruction through that method so students want the notes they have to log onto the call um, but so that, you know, they don't have conflict between their math class and their science class, the district or rather, sorry, our school site put out like kind of a, a loose, not even a loose, it's a pretty tight bell schedule. It's just shifted forward. So zero period is supposed to go from seven to eight. First period is from, and we're on a block schedule. So it alternates. So Monday, Monday is traditional. You go to all your classes and each one is like an hour. Um, Tuesday, Thursday, you get a second, fourth, and sixth period, and it's basically 8 to 9.30, 9.30 to 11, 11 to 12.30, and then you're done for the day. And then teachers are supposed to be available for office hours between 1 and 2.30. So that really is – the office hours have been – hugely helpful for the students who are taking advantage of them. And I tell, I told my kids, I'm like, the best piece of advice I got when I was in college was take advantage of your professor's office hours because one, you will get to know them as a human, as well as a professor. And you'll get way more out of not just that relationship, but the class. And two, it'll help you understand the subject matter better. And that's kind of what I equated it to. Um, and because I teach AVID, I'm like, you need to be going to your office hours. Because <laughs> it really is so helpful. So for the students who really are motivated and are still continuing to stay strong through the end of the semester, like they've been logging on to office hours to ask questions. Or if it's something simple, they'll just email me and I can respond right. quickly to that. But um, yeah, the office hours have been kind of a game changer for the kids the kids who, who want it. I'm there. So Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, do you find that because of this lack of structure and because of all the craziness in, in general with now having classes online, uh, when that's a completely different structure than they've had previously for all of their school career, for the most part, unless they had some form of homeschooling, um, have you seen like a decrease in motivation or willingness to participate in class discussions from students? Because I know... Uh, at least on, on the college level, like mo- most of my friends don't even want to go to class, um, let, alone, let yeah. alone sit there and actually say smart things and have a, have a decent discussion with, with other people. You know, it completely depends on which class of mine you're asking about. Okay. I am, again, I'm exceptionally fortunate in that most of my day I'm teaching very highly motivated students 
Um, three of my four sections of English are accelerated kids. And then I've got the AVID kids who like literally the acronym is individual determination. So they're, they're for the most part still showing up. The one class where I see motivation has absolutely just taken a precipitous fall has been my collab English three. Um, and it's not even necessarily the kids who have learning disabilities. It's also the kids who are regular level English kids, just losing, losing that drive. And because, and there's a million different reasons. I can't, I can't put one blanket thing on it. Um, I know that there are students I've spoken to because again, I'm that mean teacher. I called home. (laughs) Um, who are struggling and battling, you know, mental illness. Like they, they had perhaps always struggled with depression or anxiety and this quarantine situation has just exacerbated those symptoms. Um, I've got other students who, you know, earlier in the call, we were talking about distractions at home. They're sharing devices um, or there are too many other things going on that they just never seem to get around to sitting down and getting their work done. Um, I know I've got kids that have put their work on a back burner because they're helping younger siblings with their work. And as the mother of a fourth grader and a kindergartner, uh, I get it. Like, (laughs) I get it. So there's a, like I said, there's a million different reasons for the work level to have dropped off, but I don't think there's a single one of them who they didn't, they didn't ask for this to happen. Like, so I'm doing my best to not be like, oh, you're just lazy because I don't believe a little compassion. Yeah. I don't believe that inherently any of them are just flat out. I'm not doing this. And I know that again, that's not the case everywhere, but speaking for my kids in my class, I can honestly say that there probably is a much better underlying reason for the majority of them that they're not getting work done. Right. Which, which makes a lot of sense because everybody's got a different situation. Everybody's yeah. narrative has changed completely. Yeah. It's been flipped upside down. Yeah. 180, yeah. Who knows however many directions that they've, everybody's being pulled currently. And that's reflective yeah. in a lot of people's academic lives, work lives, et cetera. Um, well, and just, you know, domestic relationships, I think, um, you know, again, I'm super fortunate. My husband and I, we like each other <laughs> weird, <laughs> but I couldn't imagine being in this quarantine situation with a person that I didn't like. And right. I know that like, I have those students too. One girl in a journal wrote me like, my parents are in the process of a divorce right now. <laughs> like that cannot be an awesome home to be quarantining in. Right. And so my attitude for a kid like that is, no, of course, school is not going to be on the forefront of her brain. Like her parents are splitting up. She's hearing every fight and argument. She's the oldest of multiple siblings. So she's trying to also shelter them from hearing the fights. And like, that's just, oh, that's just a really tough situation to be in. So I, you know, I get it that the education is not happening for her. (laughs) Right. Sending, sending good vibes those ways. Yeah, I know. It's heartbreaking. I actually, I called her because I was like, are you okay? I would come rescue you. I would come rescue you, but I don't think I'm allowed to see you. (laughs) Wear a mask. Unfortunate. It's so hard. It's so hard because I'm a hugger and I just, oh, I want to hug them all and I can't. God, I know. This is one of those moments. Really hard. Like you said, sometimes a a home life for a student is not, is not ideal or especially, I mean, at that age, most of the time you don't like your parents, like like your family. You're going to that, that 
the well, sometimes the rebellious stage, whatever, you know, there's a lot of a lot of different emotions and sentiments regarding your family. Well, psychologically, 17. (laughs) Yeah, no, but if you look at the way that brain development evolves in teenagers, it's actually, it's quite fascinating the way that the the various regions develop. And um, I was reading an article with, you know, teenagers who are butting their heads with their parents. And we spoke about this briefly, but like, this is not where teenagers are supposed to be right now. The relationships of their future are not supposed to be with their nuclear family. The way that they kind of make their way in the world is to forge those new friendships. And those are going to be their future classmates and colleagues and potentially spouses and, you know, friends outside of that kind of nuclear home. And so kind of on a biological and physiological level for kids to be stunted. Like I get why it's really hard and why some parents are seeing an uptick in rebellious behavior. And, um, I know one of the things that our school counselors sent out was like, be aware substance abuse is on the rise, Mm -hmm. domestic abuse is on the rise. And these are all things that like, how do you catch that in a, a Google hangout where the camera's turned off and the mic is turned off? Like I'm talking to like a giant black screen with the letter j on it or something you know (laughs) um on on that same line of obviously you can't tell how uh, oh i mean okay you 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 are a special special case in that you like make special efforts to try to reach out to students but in your world your life of teaching the dynamics have completely changed how has the the this whole situation and the switch to remote learning affected how you feel when you're teaching it is hard i i i'm trying to find an eloquent word but really i just want to say it sucks yeah that's <laughs> fair that's fair um, you can say it sucks i am i'm a people person I am not one of those teachers. Like I teach zero period and I'm happy about it. Like I love, you're, you're kind of crazy too. I know. Well, I'm a more, I'm a morning person too. Like yeah. don't talk to me after nine o'clock at night. Cause I'm comatose, <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I chose this career after spending five years in the corporate environment very much on purpose. And there's not a day that I walk into my classroom where I've regretted that decision. So because of that, I feel like every day that I go into my classroom, my kids deserve my best. And if I'm not giving that to them, then, then I suck. And I don't, I don't want to be that person, but having to completely switch how things are delivered, how instruction happens, um, it happened. I mean, we, we made the switch. <laughs> it's, it's currently um, working. Question I mark. think I, yeah. I mean, I think time will tell how effective it actually was based on the quality of work that I'm receiving back from my students and the amount of work that I'm receiving back from my students um, and comparing notes to other, you know, teacher friends um, just even on my campus and in my, my, I'm from a teacher family. So, you know, I'm talking to my sisters and they're in lower socioeconomic districts. And by those measures, I'm crushing it. Um, but I can't measure it against that. I have to measure it. Like is little Sally going to be a better student at the end of this year than she was at the end of last year. And if I can't say yes, then I need to switch things up again. And I'm, I'm, I am constantly reevaluating, okay, is this working? Is it not? Um, 
and I've, I can't tell you how many Google forms I've sent out to my kids. <laughs> like, Hey, did, did you understand that? Did you not understand that? Cause it's a super quick way for me to just check in and be like, I get yes and no answers very fast. And if something, you know, isn't working or they can't access it, um, again, I have to pivot very quickly and figure out, okay, what is going to work for them? Um, but you know, this is not my first choice and it's not their first choice. We didn't, we didn't ask for this. Um, but it, it is what it is. And our school year is not done. And I, I don't want them to be done. Like I have AP kids who are taking a test on May 13th, who I'm not going to quit on them just because we're home. Like they still deserve attempt to pass that test. They've worked their behinds off all year. And I think if I didn't attempt to give them the education that they deserve, then I shouldn't be collecting a paycheck. In terms of uh, specifically looking at the fact that a lot of testing still needs to be done, finals, AP testing, things like that, how much work is too work too much work during during this time? And and I will also add, like, how do you how how is your grading? Has it changed? Has you have you have you been more lenient in certain circumstances than you usually would be or? So again, adjusting your. Yeah. So again, when we initially went on hiatus, it was for, it was for two weeks. (laughs) So, um, kind of where I was in all of my classes, we were just getting started writing process papers. So I was like, sweet, two weeks, week one, first draft, week two, we're going to do a little peer editing. We've got Google docs. They can share with each other. They'll <laughs> peer edit each other's long distance week three. They'll come back, turn them in. We'll be good to go. And then <laughs> life was like, ha ha, you're funny. Um, and here we are on May 3rd, still not back in the classroom. So I, I, I out of the gate hit it hard and heavy. And I think because the kids still had, I don't know, terror, respect. I don't know what you want to call it. Accountability (laughs) to me. Um, I had great turnout those first two weeks because we were writing essays and, um, I told them, if you want to come to my office hours, I will go through your essay with a fine tooth comb. You get one-on-one writing conferences and a lot of my kids showed up those two weeks, both for the Google Hangouts when I was going over instruction of the actual essay, um, as well as for office hours to get one-on-one feedback. So the final product that I got, I actually, I mean, dare I say this, it might've actually been better than what I would have had, (laughs) had we been in a traditional classroom setting. That said, <laughs> that was that was like a two to three week time frame, and as time has worn on, so you know, obviously we were we were wrapping up reading A Raisin in the Sun with my English three kids and my cultures kids, and then um, we were wrapping up The House of the Spirits with my AP Lit kids. So after that, we had to. Oh, I love that. I know book. it's uh, one of my favorites. Um, so after that, we again it was a novel rotation. So my English three kids picked up one through the Cuckoo's Nest, and my um, AP kids picked up the awakening. Um, and thankfully there are versions available online. So if they didn't want to go to campus and pick up and return textbooks, they didn't have to, um, there was no excuse. Everybody had, you know, access, but when that switch happened, there was not a significant drop, but I'd say maybe like 
10 to 15% drop in attendance of the hangouts because the, the, just the point value wasn't there. Like an essay is, you know, hundred points of their grades. So the kids that were concerned about their grades in March, like they got stuff done and they made a point of getting a really high score on those essays. Um, now the assignments, like it's mostly reading and discussion points and I'm being very lenient. It's, you know, it's basically credit, no credit. Even if what you wrote was totally wrong, I'm, I'm going to correct them. I'm going to, you know, in my, in right. my comments, say, but you did it. Say, you did it. Um, you're completely yeah. wrong, but since you had to figure this out by yourself, I'm going to give you the points anyway, <laughs> which is fair. Totally fair. Um, so that's kind of how the discussion points have been going. And then, um, there will actually this weekend, I assigned the part, a part one assessment for Cuckoo's Nest where they had to, they're kind of writing a formal body paragraph, but they don't know it. They had to choose three, <laughs> they had to choose three of the themes or like a combination of themes, symbols, emerging archetypes, um, find a quote that supported its development and then give me some analysis as to why that quote was a relevant um, piece of textual evidence. So those are not due until tomorrow at five. So stay tuned. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what I get back on those. Report, report back. With yeah, the, I will, uh, I'll let you know. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, it, it has definitely been polarizing. I think the kids who who care about their educations and who care about their grades, um, they are continuing to to work and to show up and to give me their their best. And the kids who um, weren't maybe in a position to do that have definitely started to to fall off. So, and, you know, I'm, like I said, there's a million reasons why ranging from living situations to access to an uptick in, you know, mental health issues cropping up. Um, I've, I've kind of heard from a lot of students at this point and everyone's, everyone's fighting their own fight. So it looks differently. Yeah, truly. It, all that being said, um, do you think that remote learning has been effective? In mm. I guess in in what way I guess we can we can make this uh, a question that you can qualify if you'd like um, because I think that there are things that have come out of it that have been really good uh, and I think that there are things that show weaknesses in I, I'm not gonna I mean obviously you know that despite both of us loving academics the education system in the u.s is not the thing that we can praise the most out of but um what (laughs) yeah i know right okay but i i do think that there have been weaknesses in in terms of access to technology in other areas specifically uh for low low income areas for low income students and i mean if I'm how gonna, how yeah. is the reach of this? How 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 have we been able to to ensure that every student is getting the education they should be getting from their couch? Ensure we can't. We can't. Sure. It's impossible. Sure. Um, does it mean we stop trying? Absolutely not. Um, I think that this pandemic has exposed vast fissures in society that if we choose to really take a hard look at ourselves and face some honest truth as a country, um, we absolutely need to make some changes in how things are, how things are done. Um, because like you said, it's, it's not just about access. Like our district did everything in its power 
to give kids access, but we still have kids not logging on. So that then begs the question, why? And what's going on that they're not logging on and how do we, how do we address those issues? And those issues are myriad. Um, Obviously kids who are coming from low socioeconomic families are much more greatly impacted than a student who has two parents in the home, whose parents are college educated, whose parents are earning a stable living and are not under constant stress and duress. And, um, you know, it, it just looks really, really differently. And unfortunately, and this was true even when we were in the classroom and I've, I've long, I've long joked that if I won the lottery, I'm going to open a home for kids whose parents suck. (laughs) Um, and I'm going to go dark here for a second, but I got a text from one of my best friends on campus. She's the health teacher. Um, last year, she kind of took a student under her wing who was fighting an addiction problem and the student developed the addiction problem because she had kind of a rough home life and um, it was her coping mechanism. It was how she numbed the pain. And we found out on Thursday that she overdosed. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I told you I was going dark Um, and I'm using her as an example because I feel like I can't control her situation at home. I can't, I like, I, I, I don't get the benefit. I get kids for an hour a day. If you, if you break it down and in that hour that I see them, I am going, like I said, to give them my 100%. They deserve that of me, but it's not possible for me to go home with my almost, you know, 175 students that I have on my class rosters throughout the day. And they all go home to very different environments And I think as a society, until we face kind of what that looks like and until we support kind of the weakest links in our chain, we can't expect certain sectors of the population to be, to be elevated and to be lifted up. Um, If I'm going to go super conspiracy theory, I think that there is a segment of the leadership right now that, that wants it to stay that way because it does kind of force certain sectors of society to stay in lower wage paying jobs. And we're certainly seeing now that they're deemed essential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I definitely but, don't think you're going too far out by saying that. I think, I think that's, but um, yeah. I, I just feel like, I don't know. This is, this, this is just based on me hypothesizing there is absolutely no evidence to support this whatsoever. <laughs> so should you, should you choose to, uh, get rid of it, feel free. But like, I just feel like it benefits certain people in this country to keep other people in this country poor. Mm -hmm. And the ones that stay poor, I think also not accidentally have a different color skin pigment. Um, Based off of, we've talked about various, uh, various points of weaknesses and difficulties surrounding these now new virtual classrooms. Um, but just to to reiterate some of them, I'd say that we talked about how accessibility is difficult in some districts, not all, obviously, but yeah, in some, um, and is impacting low-income students specifically, um, various students of color who also fall into that low-income uh, label are the the. <clears throat> disparities words 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 i was trying to say something and there's a sorry there's a lady standing outside my window and she put up a bunch of chicken 
I, I'm, I live on the first floor, context now. Um, and she put up a bunch of chicken wire and then is tying, like, ribbons to it? But Maybe she got I, tired of going to that bodega and she's going to get chickens. Perhaps. I mean, there are wild turkeys in, uh, in Staten Island, so... <laughs> things I never thought I would have seen moving to New York I'm telling you <laughs> all right cool <laughs> back to back to what we were saying um have you I know that you said that you guys primarily use Google Hangouts and the Google realm of, yeah of yeah it's, of that's different that's because that's things. what our dist- our district ponied up for so have, I know that in other other districts and other schools, and I know at the college level as well, many many educators have been using Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> there's jokes going around specifically for college students that we're all in attendance at Zoom University <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, um, have you heard of these different issues with Zoom regarding its security and how it's been hacked? Yep, and, yep, I have. <laughs> yeah. I think I think we need to touch on that, even though you 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 personally do not use this. I know a lot of public educators do. I have well, uh, so initially the district said that use Zoom, but that they wouldn't be supporting it if we had issues with it. And then I think (laughs) so many teachers had um, like Zoom bombings happen that the district it was I think it was three days soon. (laughs) District went nope, Google Hangouts (laughs) only. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't want that. (laughs) Yeah. Because with the Google hangout, you have to log in using your school, um, credentials. So we know who's coming into our classes or not. And even at that, I actually, can I, can I say a bad word on this? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) you, you got so quiet. Well, I didn't, I didn't know like what was appropriate language. Well, because it's, this is clearly not my (laughs) vernacular. Like you wouldn't hear me saying this, but a student, so student logged in using his district credentials. And then I saw like super fast before he had a chance to turn off his camera. I saw like the person and it didn't look like my kid. So I think it was a sibling that logged on and he was, he was a piece of work. So he kept interrupting and just like making really like rude comments. Like, I can't hear you. Can you repeat that? And then, cause this was like when I was trying to teach the essay. So I've got like 30 other kids on the line. And then finally he goes, "Um, can, can you just pause yourself? I have to go take a shit. And I just went, delete. <laughs> you are now blocked from my meeting. I called the parents and I was like, you need to have a talk with your kid. And it's not the kid that's in my class. It's the other one. Right. So, <laughs> the well, cause the voice wasn't oh, the man. same. Like it didn't sound right. like my kid. And the, the sibling is like quiet as a little church mouse. Like he's, he is never talks. So I'm like, yeah, that was not, that was not Bradley. That was somebody else. So that was the only issue I had, but, um, I know one of my friends had, um, somebody shared the code for her hangout with a student who's actually a middle schooler at like Elisa Viejo or something. I don't know. One of the middle schools and he zoom bombed and got on and made apparently all these racially charged comments. And Angie was like, block, 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 block. And she was upset. So, I know the biggest, uh, the big, the biggest story that I've heard, and I've, I'm sure you've heard it too. And I attached an article in our, uh, in our show notes about the, the school in Idaho <laughs> that had the Zoom bombing. Um, the Zoom was hijacked by somebody, some guy, something, 
and he started displaying a bunch of porn to a bunch yeah. of uh, elementary school students. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's awful. I think- yeah, I've not had that happen. Knock on Good. wood. I still have five weeks to go. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I, I have to say for the most part, again, and I think this is what concerns me about the potential of not going back in the fall. This happened at a time when I had the entire year to build a rapport with my students and to build a relationship, which is why I knew when this Bradley kid logged onto my Zoom call and then said, I need to go take a shit. I'm like, that's not Bradley because I know what Bradley sounds like. I know what Bradley looks like. But if we're starting from scratch in the fall and I got a fresh roster of kids, I don't know. One they don't fear me the way that my current kids do. <laughs> they don't know the wrath that will befall them if they don't get their work done. They don't know that I will stalk them at all hours of the night until they do. Um, right. I don't, I haven't had a chance to establish those relationships. And I, I do it because I care. And my kids, again, right. also now know that. So um, I think that's also partly why I've had, I don't want to jinx it and call it the success I've had, but given the circumstances, that's, you know, that's the word I'm going to use. I'm going to say it's been fairly successful given the nightmarish dystopian circumstances under which we're living. Um, so starting next year absolutely terrifies me because I, I I will not have the opportunity to build that rapport and like interpersonal relationships are my jam. Like that's one of the reasons I love teaching and you know, it's kids like you who five years after the fact, I'm still a part of your life. I love oh, yeah. that. I love oh, that. Yeah. Me too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what next year is going to look like. It's weird. And I don't I know that I, I think it's terrifying for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're all, we're all concerned. We're all in the edge of our seats waiting for, for yeah. some form of news as to what our new reality is going to look like in another couple of months as well. I know. I think it's, it's scary. Another, another issue I did want to discuss too, um, because I know even even at the college level, I've been having this issue with with teachers is a a, a difference in knowledge of technology. Yeah, I have I for for just a quick example, I have one professor who is in her sixties, seventies, and when we are in the classroom, she cannot find Blackboard on the computer. Like opening Internet Explorer, doesn't know how they get. To where Wait, she's she, going. Hold on. She uses Internet Explorer. <laughs> Listen, pace may be advanced, but we, <laughs> we've got like, and there are like three options um, on every pace computer Internet Explorer, Firefox, and Google. And <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you know, you can download other browsers and request that that be your primary. Like, let's yeah. start there. Let's, let's start, <laughs> let's back up and say that she probably doesn't know how to download something. But okay, that is, that, okay. That is the kind of, that is the kind of like uh, difference that is now being exposed a little bit more because for that class, we don't do anything. Like we have not done anything. She has a, she puts a little discussion board up and says, sign your name <laughs> on the day. It's some, in the 24 hours of the day that we have class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Sign your name. That's about it. That's that wow. is it. We do. We we're not having a final for that class. We're not. I don't know if, if I'm saying things that the university is not supposed to know, but it's. You didn't give a name. You're good. No. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it it is very clear that the teachers that don't 
use technology in their teaching are now way, way, way behind and at a disadvantage for the rest of the semester, especially. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I can't speak to other districts, but I have to throw huge kudos to ours in particular because within days of schools getting shut down, they had training schedules virtually for any of the platforms that our district supports. So it was like, you want to learn how to use Google Classroom? Come to this training. You want to learn how to use Screencastify? Do that. You want to use Remind? You want to use Clever? You want to use whatever, like access the online textbooks better? Um, They had trainings for everything. Um, And we definitely have teachers and our, our district that fit the exact description of your professor. Um, and I can, I can only speak to one who's in my particular department because she's adorable and has been posting her, um, she's the first to admit that she's technologically challenged and she happens to teach right across the hall from me. And I mean, I'm not exactly like an Einstein, but I can, I can figure it out. And if I can't think goodness, I can send an email. I, I can send an email and I'm also married to someone who is insanely technologically savvy. Like, you know, he's, he's a web nerd for a living. So yeah. I have, I have that added benefit and I know not everybody has that. Um, but Anne, who teaches across the hall from me, um, is she's been adorable. She's like, Oh my gosh, I just made my first screen castify video or I just did my first Google hangout. So, you know, you, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Right. If the, if the old dog is motivated to learn. And I think we've all kind of been thrust into the situation where we don't have a choice, but either it's sink or swim. Like you either adapt or your class doesn't get taught. And, um, we've had so many opportunities for trainings and the expectations of what we need to be providing as far as learning opportunities and, you know, how, how this is all going to look. Um, it's been pretty flexible as far as what the district, you know, wants from us. The bottom line is like, you know, we are, we're a fairly highly ranked district as far as the, the students that we, that we produce for lack of a better word. (laughs) Um, and their anticipation was like, you need to keep doing that. Like you are capable educators, keep on keeping on. And technology should not be the barrier that stops you from being a good teacher. So let's get you trained. Let's figure out how to get, to get you those tools that you need to be a good teacher, whatever that's going to look like for your particular cup of tea. Um, I know in our math department, like they've been doing a flipped classroom model, some of the teachers for years. So this was kind of like very, very intuitive for them. Um, and in fact, some of them were even offering like, Hey, if you need help, like I'll hop on a hangout with you. And (laughs) so that way it's more like peer to peer as opposed to some rando at the district that we've never met. And we're trying to ask stupid questions with 250 other people on the call. Um, so, you know, as an, as an educational community of PLCs, we call them, um, I, I think as far as, as far as, like I said, as far as like the the poop sandwich that we were handed goes, we really have tried to put pickles and onions and lettuce on it (laughs) to make it palatable. Right. (laughs) A little salt, pepper, and olive oil should do the trick. We're trying, yes. Um, So in terms of all the issues that we've talked about today, I have some rather controversial points of discussion that we don't need to go too much into, but 
there are a variety of solutions that everybody's kind of been bringing up in in articles and different forums online and things of the sort with specific regard to public education because of the the various disparities and there's not a lot of equality amongst all districts especially in different states in different counties things of the sort um so just just your take you don't even really have to answer in a direct way but should remote learning continue or should the school year just be put on pause or ended entirely should all classes switch to pass fail i know at pace we've all been given the option to i mean again college level is different but we we have each individual been given the option to say do i want to do pass fail and we can wait until two weeks after the semester ends to decide officially, do I want to make this class pass fail and keep the other ones normal? Yeah. So my GPA doesn't get affected. Yeah. Because for some students, it really isn't fair. Like you, you teach in a great district. Yeah. That has given that first of all has resources to start. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line, they had the resources. We have resources. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, so my an- so ag- so again, my answer to that is not a blanket answer. Like this right. is this is so much more complex, and I don't. I don't think that the answer for my district is necessarily the answer for any other district. I think, honestly, it may even have to come down to a student-to-student basis. Um, Looking at my population, the students who have continued to work and who have continually shown a desire to learn, I absolutely do not think that their school year should just be like, oh, it's a wash. Right. Nope, we're quitting now because they're still learning. They're still working. They're still trying and putting in effort and showing that they have a desire to improve themselves. So for those kids, no, I do not think the school year should end. For a kid who has got, you know, six younger siblings at home and they're balancing, like making dinner and changing diapers and maybe squeezing in a couple math problems on the side, I think that kid should be given the option. Do you want to continue learning? if it's going to affect your grade negatively. Cause again, I've seen different schools are handling the grades second semester differently. Um, and I know that a lot of it depends on what the colleges are going to be looking at, you know, right. cause for, I mean, let's face it. The whole reason we give grades is because kids want high grades so they can go to college. That's yeah. the one little carrot that I have, at least with the higher achievers is that we still are assigning, um, we actually just got an MOU on this and we have a department meeting on it tomorrow morning. Um, but basically we are assigning A's, B's or C's. Um, the policy is do not harm. So as of, I think March 13th, if they had an A, B or C, we give that, I think I may be messing this up because it was a very long email. <laughs> it was very complicated. Um, she said, I skimmed it. Um, well, I did skim it because I knew that we would be having like a two hour meeting about it tomorrow morning. So I'm like, I'm just going to wait for the in-person. Um, cause I too am a hands-on learner. Um, so if they were failing going into it and they continue to fail, they don't actually get an F, they get a no credit, which means they still have okay. to, they still have to take the class over. Like an incomplete. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if they're getting a D, they can choose to get credit. So it means they don't have to repeat the class, but the grade also does not impact their overall GPA. So it doesn't, okay. it doesn't do any harm. Um, and so we've advised our avid kids, if you're getting a C or a D, take the credit so that it doesn't drop your GPA. If you're getting an A or a B, 
keep the grade so that it helps your GPA. Um, So we are definitely kind of in a state of of flux. And that also is going to depend on the kid. Like, I can't say that I'm going to apply, you know, what's best for every of this policy the same to every single kid. Like, I know that I have a girl who is suffering from crippling depression right now. And right. am I going to be like, oh, no credit. You got a junior, senior year over. No, of course I'm not. Like I right. really show grace, show compassion. Like that, that is, I, I, I'm trying to do what's in the best interest of each individual student as far as migrating policy. Um, and I'll be honest, there are some students who maybe, this is going to sound awful, but maybe need to fail because they maybe need to understand that, you know, not working does have consequences. If you're choosing not to work just because, you know, well, I didn't really, I didn't really feel like doing that. And I was doing really well on my Fortnite game. So they're calling me out like this, (laughs) Betsy, you do not need, you're too loud. Do not call me out like this. Sorry, I didn't get Uh, that paper written, but, uh, you know, (laughs) Minecraft. I copped copped three dubs that night. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, I, yeah, there's no blanket solution for any one school or district, I think it really needs to come down to the individual kids and the people who know their kids the best are their teachers. And hopefully, you know, they've got trained professionals who are, who do have a vested interest in seeing these kids ultimately be successful. So what is going, what is going to set them up for success in the long term? And is it to hold them back and make them repeat the class or is it to let them go on to the next grade level and play a little catch up the next year. And I, you know, I can't answer that for every kid. Cause I just, I don't know. I agree. And there should be more leniency, obviously. I, 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 in my opinion, just because like, I, like you mentioned before, every household is different. Yeah. Everybody's narrative is different so different. Than it was originally. Yeah. And it's different on a day-to-day basis. There are people dying yeah <laughs> every day down yeah. the street down the block down whatever uh in these in these unprecedented times nobody thought this was going to happen educators are you know pulling rabbits out of hats and no, i mean we work and yeah we were told two weeks when this thing first started so yeah oh same here and, I, you know nobody knew that this was going to be like this no and now i remember is different <laughs> i remember the thursday it was like the Wednesday or Thursday before school closed, Disneyland closed. And I knew that things were <laughs> legit when Disneyland closed. Like that was you, my... We all know Disneyland loves this money. Oh my right? gosh. <laughs> that, that's my barometer. So one of my best friends is actually like the CFO of a hospital. And I okay. called her and I'm like, all right, Kendra, your boot's on the ground. How worried about this thing do I need to be? Disneyland just closed. She started <laughs> laughing. Um, but again, she lives in Montana where the population is hovering right around a million people in a state right. that geographically is the fourth largest in our nation. So right. things look very different for her. It's very easy for people in Montana, for the most part, to social distance just because their next neighbor lives several acres away. Right. Um, whereas in a place like Southern California, where it's much more dense, everyone's landscape looks so different right now. It's, um, it's crazy. And you you can't come up with one solution when we're such a diverse country, not only geographically, but ethnically, culturally, you know, you, you have to take those differences into consideration. And I think, you know, I've always been a firm believer that it is our differences that make us 
stronger and that make us awesome because we bring those collective experiences and stories and cultures and that beauty and it gets woven into this America that I love. So I feel like, I, I feel like because of those differences, we have always been a nation of resilience. And even in our darkest times, um, in, in, you know, in, in my lifetime, I'm looking at, you know, post 9-11 and from, from my childhood, I, God, I remember when the Challenger exploded and it was awful and the nation just like came together. And I really feel like despite the divisiveness that we're seeing from very small strata and segments right. of our society, I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a much greater portion that wants us to come back from the stronger and, and united as the Definitely. United States. And I feel like that's going to apply to education. I have to have that faith and that hope because if I didn't, then I would just be a day drinker. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me that's, you don't crack open a beer the at short of it. during quarantine, Betsy. What are you doing? It's super tempting, but no, I actually don't because I feel like I told you I'm bringing my kids my best. I can't be that's fair. Any, that's, inebri- no, that's, I can't that's be fair. inebriated on office hours. That's just <laughs> unprofessional. Uh, I definitely think. Speaking of speaking of office hours, I definitely think that uh, the educators utilizing extra time like out of their usual (laughs) class time to to welcome in any students who are willing to come ask questions come participate whatever yeah Uh, I think that is crucial in a time like this I know 100% it's crucial in any time I utilize office hours occasionally in college but let me tell you since we started going online I just for the for most of the notion that one of my professors sits there for an hour just waiting to see if anybody comes in, I will go That's in me. and say hi to her before class. I'm, I'll, I'll hop in and be like, <laughs> That's hey, totally how's it me. going? How's it going? We'll have our coffee together and talk. But I mean, it's, it's, it is crucial because we don't get to interact. You don't get to see right. some, you know, right. like you said, some kids mic off, camera off, everything during a lecture. And that's, you know, that takes away that, that, connection that a student has with with a with an educator and that that is well and with each other like it, yeah. they they also need to see each other's faces and right. I've got I've got one girl who I just I adore her um she's got a bearded dragon I think I oh showed I saw you. that picture. yeah uh, yep, yeah I saw it on Facebook so for the first couple of days and I actually I had her older brother you might have known him because he's a couple years younger than you Isaiah but um he's home from college. And so they're a, they're a military family and they've got five kids in their house and the bearded dragon. And it's <laughs> Isaiah's the oldest and he's 18. He's a freshman in college. And then the youngest is a first grader. So, and then oh. they've got, you know, everything in between. And so she's trying to learn in that environment and God bless her. Like she is showing up like she's on my hangouts and she just, I think for the first couple of days, she was just bored and like missed humans outside of her immediate family and just hopped on my office hours to like show me Kevin, Kevin, the bearded dragon. That's so So cute. Kevin's like our mascot. And I kind of actually want a bearded dragon now. (laughs) I had my cat join a, join a zoom classroom. And then he proceeded to knock over a half full cup of tea onto my laptop. So do I, do I I need to put tea in air quotes? It was no, it was tea. It was tea. It was tea. It was, tea. It was, it was like an Earl Grey or an English breakfast or something. But, okay. 
it was it was cold and I was sitting here and I wasn't really paying attention. He knocked oh, in bummer. the middle of a three hour lecture. So oh, <laughs> I proceeded rough. to turn off my mic, turn off my camera, and tip my laptop upside down for the rest of the class. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think <laughs> As you're frantically using paper towels to blot like, up the oh damage. My God. Oh my god. Oh my god. How am I supposed to finish this class? I do. Yeah, I got. I got lucky. Everything's good. A little sticky in the keys, but we're we're good. We're good. Good. Um, no, but I, I I think that keeping communication open between educators and students right now is one of one of the most important things that it's it's vital. Yeah, it, because that I know personally. If 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 we do go online next semester as well, next next school year. I think it's going to be really hard to start with a blank slate for every yeah. class, even yeah. even on at, at the college level where nobody really cares anyways about. Um, okay, p- pace is a little bit different. We have we have really we have probably twenty kids per per classroom. If we we have small classrooms so that we can be more intimate and uh, understand right. each other and have better relationships. But I think it's going to be difficult for for educators and students alike to feel a connection to the voice behind the screen yeah it doesn't 100%. feel it, it feels more like the weird relationship people have with like social media celebrities and things of the sort right yeah. now not so much like this is a person who's <laughs> who understands some like most of the things that I'm going through right now this is a person who is taking the time to grade things and to especially yeah. especially for kids who at the public education level don't just take an online class. Right. <laughs> like they at might least in take, college, maybe I've taken a few online classes. So they might take deal. like health or, you know, right. history of American cinema just to fulfill those credits. But it's, those aren't You're classes. Really calling me out today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using generalizations as much as I can. Um, I think, I think the closest baseline of comparison I have from my own experience is, um, <laughs> and this is, this is coming from the teacher side as well as the parent side. Um, but it's like when I went out on maternity leave, um, I, we did not plan our children's birthdays well at all. One was born the day after Thanksgiving and the other is January 2nd. And those are both days that nobody wants to party on because you're either f- covered in a thin veil of turkey grease or, <laughs> or you're hungover. Because, <laughs> you know, January 2nd, no one's like, woo, yeah. So... <laughs> When I was out on maternity leave both times, it was in the middle of the semester. Like, could not have been planned worse, really. Um, clearly, I mean, they were planned, but we just thought it was going to take a little bit longer to get there. Um, and so, you know, when I started the school year, obviously my students knew I was pregnant because it's either that I was like smuggling pumpkins. Um, so they knew that I would be leaving. And there was always like a weird dynamic between me leaving the classroom and then coming back. And it was kind of like, again, the closest analogy I could maybe make is like the mom stepmom dynamic. Like they like stepmom, but stepmom is never going to be mom, mom. And because you build that rapport and you have those relationships, you know, that really is the deciding factor of how well um, a lot of students are going to respond to you and, you know, are they going to respect you enough to do those assignments? Do they respect themselves enough to do those assignments and to really engage in the class? And I look at my own kindergartner who started the year with a long-term sub who was wonderful. Um, 
and he's he's at a dual immersion school. So he's starting kindergarten in a school where 90% of his day is Spanish and we are predominantly an English speaking home. So he was like deer in the headlights the first few weeks and he knew that this was going to be happening. Like he did a little boot camp over the summer and mm. his older his older brother has is a fourth grader at the same school and kind of went through the same thing. Um but for Eli to have the disruption in his education with having the long-term sub and then his regular classroom teacher coming back at the semester, and then now this, like, I, I'm kind of concerned about what next year is going to look like for him as a first grader, like just not having had really any continuity in his education. And, you know, he's young enough that, you know, I have every reason to believe that he, he will recover um, academically, but you know, how, I, I guess, I guess my bigger question and concern is like, how long is distance learning sustainable? Um, right. because you know, the, the current model of education that we have is actually, it's actually based on the industrial revolution. We kind of applied mass production to the classroom and for the most part, it's actually worked pretty successfully for the last 150 ish years. 170-ish years, give or take. Um, but I'm, you know, my wonder and my concern is, you know, does that dynamic have to last forever? Should it last forever? And if not, what's going to take its place? And those are all questions that I do not have answers for, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Neither do I. Neither do I. What a, and I think that those answers are, are open-ended in a way. Like, we, yeah. it's not really... That's not an easy, easy issue to address in general. Yeah. Well, Betsy, I think we've made a variety of good points. and We've had a really good discussion about something that's really important and really significant right now. And I think it the, the efforts that educators have made and districts have made and <laughs> legislators are making yeah. is going to reflect in the future as well. And it's going to be interesting to look back on this all when it's, when life returns to normal, though that normal is definitely going to change because this is affecting everyone yeah, it's... in various ways. So our, our normal is going to be a new normal after this current new normal. And yeah. it's going to be interesting to look back and see what decisions were made in good time, which decisions were made that were more detrimental than beneficial. And it's, it's, it's an interesting point of history to know when you're in the middle of it, that this yeah. is going to be something that is going to be discussed and talked about as much as any previous pandemic throughout history, as well as this is a turning point. It's going whether, whether whether we like it or not. This is going to be a turning point for every facet of life. And looking at education specifically, it's interesting to see how educators react, how educators have adapted, how students have proved themselves in the strangest, craziest, most depressing times, and how they continue to demonstrate their willingness to learn and teachers demonstrate their willingness to teach and embrace those who still want to learn. Um, and I want to thank you for being here today and for of course. talking with me, because as I mentioned at the beginning, your perspective is 
one that's really significant, especially when discussing when discussing uh, all of these various issues. You've got you've got that that inside information, <laughs> and I love talking to you in general, and you know that. I know. Well, likewise, likewise. Yeah. I told you, <laughs> you're kind of you're kind of like a mythical unicorn among students. Uh, you know. Um, I, no, I, it's I, been I it's been my pleasure. So thank you very much for having me on, and um, I don't know. I hope that. I hope that my perspective and my insights are helpful. Um, oftentimes it just feels like I'm rambling. Oh. <laughs> I've turned in. Isn't I've that turned what in, being a teacher is? I've Ooh. turned into box to herself though. And it's getting to the point where, you know, my children and my husband are like, did you say something? Nope. No, nope. <laughs> just talking to myself. Cause you know, I talk for a living. Like I talk all day long. And so now <laughs> to be faced with staring at a computer screen instead, like this is not what I signed up for. Ugh, ugh. So trust me, I yeah. know. I know. Um, so once again, Betsy, thank you for being here. Today's discussion thank you. was great. Yeah. Um, friendly reminder for everybody to stay safe, wash your hands, respect ugh. social distancing advice on behalf Wear of a medical mask. professionals. Yes. Wear a mask. You know, do, you know, the way I see it, uh, if somebody who has dedicated the majority of their life to knowing things about medicine and health, (laughs) I'm going to listen to them. I think, I think they're, what they're saying's probably got something behind it. You know, I I just think. uh, Cause, cause science. Cause, because science. And uh, that's where we're going to, that's where we're going to end today. Uh, this uh, this podcast has been brought to you by science and um, <laughs> and education, and uh, we will see you in the next one. <laughs>